0: Welcome to Podcasts Recorded Live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us.
1: I wanted to tell you an environmental type joke because last Sunday was Earth Day and Friday was Arbor Day. And I find it very easy to find God and to feel connected to God in the environment. Don't you? I live in Southern California and you know I walk in the flower fields and I walk on the beach and feel that warmth all the time and I find it very easy and I find I can connect quickly with spirit. But it's not so easy to connect when times aren't so good. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the book that you all are reading or maybe have just finished reading this one by Pima Shadron. In the chapter called When the Going Gets Tough, she talks about four ideas and four spiritual practices that you can use when times are tough. And, you know, we have to start where we are. So we start with what we know. And for me, it would be going to walk at the beach or sitting sitting in the flower fields or in a park because that's where I'm able to feel connected. And we have to start with that place of connected. We have to start where we are and not allow fear to take us somewhere else. So I wanna tell you a little bit of a story um, about a gentleman by the name of Andre Kostelenitz. And Andre went to go see the French painter Matisse. And he didn't have a very good day. In fact, he hadn't had a very good week or month. And he was pretty upset and pretty angry. And he went to Matisse for some advice. Got to change my life around. Things just aren't working. Going is very tough. And Matisse said, you have to find the artichokes in your life. And Andre said, artichokes? What are you talking about? And so he said, come with me. And he went out to the garden. And he he took Andre to his artichoke patch. And he said... Every morning, I come out here and I look at these artichokes and it always amazes me. I see different colors and different patterns and different shapes. Sometimes I just disappear and I become an artichoke. It's amazing, but this is where I find my inspiration and my creativity. So where are the artichokes in in your life? Matisse asked him. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Where are the artichokes in your life? Do you do yoga? Do you do spiritual mind treatment? Do you read? Do you dance? What are the things that connect you to spirit? Because that's the place we have to start when the going gets rough. Also, when times are tough, if you think about it, they're usually difficult because there's change happening in our world. If I were to ask you how many people think the political climate in the United States has to change? How about a show of hands? Pretty much everybody? If I were to say, now how many of you want to change? I bet you're all sitting on your hands. Oh, I see a couple (laughs) hands. But most people sit on their hands because they don't like change. Because change propels us into the unknown. But we deal with change every single day. The thing is, we've become accustomed to it. Day turns into night, no big deal, right? Winter turns into spring, turns into summer, no big deal, right? because we're used to it, we're accustomed to it. But it's those changes that we're not accustomed to, like a president that's a surprise, or, <laughs> or a relationship ending, or a dear friend making their transition, or a job change, those kinds of changes we are not prepared for, they're thrust upon us in most cases, and so we become afraid. We forget who we are. We forget our connection. And so we have to go to that place that we are able to find that connection as a starting place. In this book, The Places That Scare You, Pema Chidron talks about four practices that you can use. And the first one, she says, is don't set a target. She says we all set targets based on what we think, what we say, and what we do. This is very much in line with Ernest Holmes, isn't it? What you think about, you bring about. Thoughts are things. She says don't set one. I'm gonna change that a little bit to go more in line with science of mind and say that we're always setting targets. Our thoughts are always drawing to us exactly what we're thinking about. The world out there is always a reflection of the world in here. So we need to pay attention to what's happening in this world and know what kind of targets we're setting. Zig Ziglar, who's a master in the sales arena, a master motivationalist, tells a story about a gentleman by the name of Emmanuel Niger. It's about 1980 when, when Emmanuel Niger lived and he was a painter and he lived in a small town and he would paint portraits, but no one ever saw him sell any of his portraits and so they all assumed he was a starving artist. He lived in a small home and didn't have a lot But they wondered why he didn't sell any of his paintings. He was very, very good. Well, he also bought his groceries every Monday in the local grocery store, and he paid with a crisp $20 bill. So they knew he had some money, but they couldn't understand how or why he got that. So one day, there was a spill on the floor and Emmanuel was ready to check out and the clerk was trying to clean up this big mess and she was in a hurry and he was a little impatient so she just left everything there. She went over to the counter and she started tallying up his groceries. She took his 20, gave him his change and then put the 20 in the, the drawer as he was walking out and she noticed that she had smudges all over her hands. And then she picked up the 20, and she noticed that the 20 was all smudgy too. So she called the manager of the store, and they decided they better call the police. So they called the police, and sure enough, that 20 was counterfeit. Well, they went to Emmanuel's house with a search warrant, and they found right next to the window an easel, and clipped to the window was a real $20 bill. Turns out that every week, Emmanuel painstakingly painted a $20 bill so he could buy his groceries. That's that's not where the story ends though. So Emmanuel went to jail as you can imagine and they emptied out his house and when they were emptying out his house they found three beautiful portraits which they sold at auction. Those portraits brought $5,000 each. The interesting thing here is that it took just as long for Emmanuel to paint one of those portraits as it took him to paint a $20 bill. So Emmanuel was a thief, but who was he stealing from? Yeah, what we think about and what we focus on is what we create in our life. About a week ago, my boss said to me, we have to work faster, we have to get more things done. And I immediately flashed on a time in my early 20s when I was starting a business and ready to conquer the world, and I used to plan those Failure days. You know what I'm talking about? Where you just plan too much? You just try to pack too much into one day. Well, this was one of those days. So I was rushing to get to my office and a policeman saw me and guess what? I got a ticket because I was going too fast. And I figured I had to make up some time now. So my next appointment, I was going fast again and guess what? I got another ticket. So that's two. Towards the end of the day, I needed to get to the grocery store and get home because I was having guests for dinner and so again, I was going fast and another police officer got me. Three tickets, three days. Do you think I was wearing a Target? Yeah. yeah. What What the energy that we put out into the world brings back to us is exactly the same. It's like a magnet. There was a a Scottish farmer and he was farming he was fixing a fence at the edge of his farm and he heard a scream and he, so he dropped his tools and he went over to check on what was going on and there was a small boy up to his waist in black muck in a bog. And so he pulled the boy out of the bog and he cleaned him up and sent him on his way. He didn't really think twice about it. But the next morning, a beautiful carriage came up in front of the farmer's home. And so he came out to check out what was happening, and a nobleman dressed in his finest came out of the carriage. And he said, I'm the father of the young man that you took out of the bog yesterday, and I'd like to pay you to thank you for saving my son. And Farmer Fleming said, nah, not necessary. No, don't worry about it. And in that moment, Farmer Fleming's son came out of the hut. And the nobleman said, is that your son? And Farmer Fleming said, it is, very proudly. And the the nobleman said, well, you know what I'm gonna do? I have a son about the same age. I'd like to give your son the same education that I'm going to give my son. And if he's anything like his father, we'll both be proud. So he did, and the boy ended up going through school and going to St. Mary's Medical School in London, becoming a physician. Now fast forward a few more years and that physician, that young boy, became, became known as the world-renowned Alexander Fleming, the man who discovered penicillin. A couple of years later, he's in the hospital administering penicillin to a patient. Turns out that patient had pneumonia and that patient was the son of that nobleman, who paid for his education. The same boy that this young man, this man, this doctor's father, pulled from the bog all those years before. The nobleman, Sir Randall Churchill. His son, Winston Churchill. It's a true story, isn't it? A wonderful story about what goes around comes around. Everything we put out comes back to us. We say what we give we receive, right? And it's true. There's a beautiful story about a a baby boy born in 1985, not that long ago, in Chicago. And his parents gave him the name Chris. He was born 10 weeks early. And within a few hours of his birth, he got a very high fever. And no one thought the baby was gonna survive. Well, a doctor in the hospital, a pediatrician by the name of Michael Sullivan, decided he was gonna stay with that boy and do everything he could to save him. So he sat by that baby's bedside for 48 hours until the fever broke. Well, Chris grew up, he obviously got better, he grew up, he became a fine young member of society, became a paramedic. So one day he's, he's working and he gets a call to go to a car that's on fire. So he goes out with the fire department and this car is literally in fire and there's a guy inside. And so they use the jaws of life and they take him out. And they pull him into the the ambulance and Chris says to him, what is your name? And the man can't talk. And so he reaches in the guy's pocket and gets his wallet. He opens his wallet and the man's name is Michael Sullivan, the same man who saved his life 30 years before. So we don't know what things are for. What we know is that everything we give out returns to us and we don't give to get, we give to express God, express that love, express the truth of who we are and connect with each other. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, it's one of the beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely help another without helping himself. When you make the effort to be thoughtful to others, your actions seem to naturally boomerang back to you. I love that, I love that. So we're always setting a target. Everything we do is like we're setting a target. The second thing Pema says is to connect with the heart. To come from your heart. There's a a great story that I love about an old man who would walk around the town that he lived in carrying an oil can. And he would oil every hinge and every latch that squeaked and creaked. And the people thought he was crazy. They talked about him because he was very odd. He didn't talk to anyone. He would just walk around with this oil can oiling everything that made noises. And he wouldn't wait until he found something that creaked or squeaked to go home and get the oil can. He carried it with him, so he always had it. What I love about this story is that we all come across people that creak and squeak, don't we? Circumstances that make us uncomfortable. We all have that lubrication of love and kindness that gets rid of those squeaks and creaking noises, that makes things better. When we come from the the heart, we don't have to go get the oil can, it's right where we are. I love that idea. Number three that she talks about is to change the way we look at things. And I have a friend who used to call trouble blessings. Blessings and lessons. Blessings. Because truly, everything is for us. Nothing's against us. So if we believe that everything is for us, there's something good in every situation that we encounter, no matter how it seems. And so we really have to remember that. Pema in the book says, without the inconsiderate neighbor How would we learn to practice patience? She says, without the office bully, how would we ever get a chance to know the energy of anger? Know it so intimately that it loses its destructive power. Think about that. So even someone who makes us furious is a blessing. There's a Bible story in John nine, verse one to 12 about a blind man who's talking with the apostles underneath a tree. Before I get into the story though, I wanna remind you that 2,000 years ago was a long time and things were different then. So we wanna put on the sandals of a person who really walked the earth at that time. And what we know is that when someone was blind or had an ailment of some kind, it was common belief that they had done something and that this was a punishment from God. that they had sinned and this was their punishment. So the apostles and the blind man were sitting under the tree talking about this and, and wondering, did this man do something because he was born blind? Or was it his parents who did something? And they were discussing this and debating this and so James, who's thought to be the brother of Jesus, went to Jesus and said, Rabbi, who sinned? The blind man or the blind man's father? or mother, and Jesus said neither one of them sinned. We don't know the purpose. My father has a greater plan in mind. Trust and be patient. What he's telling us is that we don't know what things are for, but that everything is for us, and to be patient because in time, the blessing will unfold, and we'll see it. So he's saying see things differently. Allow your mind to expand, be willing, to see things in a different way, and to know that we don't know what everything is for. After all, diamonds are made under pressure, aren't they? Yeah. The fourth thing that Pema tells us is that life is a dream. She asks, are you the dreamer or the dream? She says that we need to be an observer. We need to watch what's happening in our life. There's another story in the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve, and I think it's very interesting that we learn that after they have eaten the apple, they fall asleep. But never ever does it tell us that they woke up. Many people believe that the awakening of the Christ consciousness within us is the second coming, that this is what's going to save the world. I like that idea, don't you? Yeah, and we do that by coming to places like this, by hanging out with like-minded people, right? By getting the support of people who think the way we think, by using spiritual practices like these four tools and the other tools that we have in our toolbox. When was the last time you were angry? When was the last time that you were upset with someone about something that they did or said? So I ask you, who is it that was angry? Who is it that was upset? Was it part of the dream? Or did that belong to the dreamer? So are you the dream or the dreamer? It's really important that we pay attention to the targets that we set. It's really important that we look at the things that we say and do and know that we're drawing that to ourselves so when times are tough, what are the targets that we're setting what are our thoughts also to come from the heart to know that we we always carry that oil can and we can lubricate those squeaky and squeaky, creaky and squeaky places with that lubricant of love and kindness and compassion that we can see problems as blessings opportunities to grow and learn and become more connected with spirit. Wouldn't you agree that the problems that you have today are not nearly as painful or nearly as difficult as those you had 10 or 20 years ago? Since you've stepped onto the spiritual path and you've begun growing in consciousness, our problems don't seem nearly as difficult because we don't spend so much time in the place of pain Pain only comes when we're feeling separate. So in those times of trouble, if we can remember to be connected and use these practices to connect with the truth of who we are, those problems will disappear much more quickly. So again, we're gonna make sure that we're paying attention to the targets we set, right? We're gonna come from the heart. We're gonna see problems and challenges as blessings and opportunities to learn and grow. And we'll be the observer and take a look at who it is that's upset, who it is that's caught in the middle of this situation. Take a step back and recognize that we're the dreamer, we're not the dream. I always like to look at situations and say, oh, isn't that interesting? Because by saying that, I'm not putting a judgment on the situation, but I'm also becoming the observer. So I offer that to you because if you use these four tools, Pretty soon, you'll be able to look at a situation that could be a big problem and instead say, oh, isn't that interesting? And so it is. So let's pray. (sighs) I know there's one power and one presence in this world, and that's love. That infinite source of all good, divine wisdom, divine order, beauty, joy, It's right here, right now, always and in all ways. It's expressing itself through each one of us, through every circumstance, every situation, every relationship, every experience we have, I know is an opportunity to remember the truth of who we are, to stay connected to source. And how great it is to be able to lean into God and know this when times get tough to know that everything is going to be okay, that we walk every step with the divine, that God's good grace goes before us and makes all those crooked ways straight. How great it is to know that we are truly in partnership with the one. We are one with the one at all times. And by remembering this, those difficult times never become as difficult. It's easier to move through them and how grateful I am to know this. How grateful I am to have this toolbox of spiritual practices to remember during those times that I forget. And I know this for each one here. I know that God's good grace is right where they are and they're carrying that oil can so that that lubrication of love and kindness is always available, not only to others, but to ourselves. And so it's with a full heart, a lot of love, and a tremendous amount of gratitude for this teaching and these principles that I know work every single time for that law that always responds with, yes, my beloved, I release my word knowing it is so, and so it is.